with us. We're grateful for your presence. Now, week one, we've been talking about being at home for Christmas, and we talked about being at home with Jesus at Christmas, and then we talked about being afraid to be at home the second week. The third week, we talked about the joy of home, and today we're going to talk about the blessing of home. We're going to talk about how blessed we are to be at home with Jesus. Now, before we get started, I want us to talk about this word blessing for a minute <clears throat> so that we might understand it and appreciate it. You see, if you look at the word blessing from a biblical standpoint, it's not just talking about happiness or well-being or money, maybe the things that we would tend to use it for today. But blessing in a biblical meaning would be tied to the idea of God's divine favor. So if you want to bless somebody, you're asking for God's divine favor to be upon them. Blessing, whether given or received, can help us recognize God in our lives and draw us closer to him. It's not a recognition of riches, but rather an humble confession that we are not self-sufficient. What I want us to understand today is that sometimes we feel blessed. Sometimes in our lives, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. I'm so grateful. Things are going really well. Other times we may not feel so blessed. Things may be not going well. The circumstances may not be what we want. We may have gone through trauma. We may have gone through heartache. We may be going through sickness, illness. We, there are all kinds of things that can happen. But how can we be blessed in those times as well? The key there that we just talked about was the fact that those things that we experience, the hardest things in life, draw us closer to God. And because of that, we really are blessed. Now, keeping the definition of blessing, I want us to look at Luke, the first chapter, and look at the scripture together. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what this salutation was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, <clears throat> and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And, you, and for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who has called, was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, what I want you to see is that Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, is the one who is the messenger. He's the one that brings the good news. And Gabriel appeared to Mary, this teenage girl in a small town, and proclaimed that she was blessed by God. 
And she would be the one to bring the Messiah into the world. That was incredibly risky for a young woman who was engaged but not yet married. If Mary was found to be pregnant before her groom comes to claim her, then he had the right to have her stoned, to have her killed. The culture in that day would look upon her as an adulteress. Knowing that, what does Mary do? She says, may it be done according to your word. In other words, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, I'm fine with that. I surrender to your will. I want to be obedient to you, even if it's going to be dangerous, even if I might be killed because of it. You're more important to me than anything that I could come up with. The favor of the Lord was upon Mary. The favor and the blessing that we learned earlier allowed her to be chosen, to be the one who brought the Messiah into the world. No wonder he chose her. Look at her attitude. He could see it in her countenance, in her spirit. She immediately says, your will, not mine. I'm obedient to you. I'm just here to serve you, Lord. And that's an amazing thing. God's blessing or favor on the life of an individual allows Jesus to come near. When you and I open up our hearts and lives and say to God, Lord, I just want you to work in my life. I just want you to do what you want to do. I want you to use me. It's not just for me. It's for other people. I want to be a blessing. I want to be obedient. I want to be a part of those divine appointments. I want to be able to share those glory sightings because I want to glorify you. Then God comes close to you. It's a bit further in the story of Luke. Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And if you study this, you find out that Elizabeth technically was not Mary's cousin. She was really her aunt. Elizabeth was Mary's mother's sister, but she's referred to as a cousin. I tell you that because Elizabeth was much older than Mary. Mary was a young woman at that time. And so Gabriel told her that Elizabeth was also pregnant in her old age. It was a bit of a miracle that Elizabeth was pregnant because she was an older woman. Look at what happens when she arrives. Mary gets there and calls out to Elizabeth. And beginning in verse 41, the Bible says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I want you to catch. Here's Elizabeth and she's pregnant with John the Baptist. Here's Mary and she's pregnant with Jesus. And when Mary shows up, Elizabeth hears her voice and the baby inside of her says, oh, there's Jesus. Now folks, that doesn't happen every day. That is what you call supernatural, okay? Can you imagine that? That's amazing to me. And she cried out with a loud voice being filled with the Spirit and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In other words, God revealed to her what was really happening. God told her what was going on. It was a supernatural knowledge that she gained from God. Jesus had come near to Mary and Elizabeth and even the baby in her womb recognized that immediately. I realize this is a special case and I realize that no one is ever going to be chosen to do what Mary did again. However, I want you to know something. We are all favored and blessed by God. Look at the person next to you and say, you are favored and blessed. Go ahead and tell them right now. That's the truth. If you have Jesus in your life, 
You are blessed and you are favored. You, you are drawn closer to God because of Jesus being in your life. And let me go a step further. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you're still blessed because that means that God wants you to have him in, in, in your relationship. He wants to have you in his life. He wants you to be in his life with him and he wants to have you in his life also. So the blessing there is that you can have a relationship with him. This means that you are favored as well. That much is already a fact. The question then becomes, well, what are you going to do with your blessing? If you're blessed, what are you going to do with it? The second thing we see is, do you want to use that blessing to be a blessing to others? You and I are blessed to be a blessing. Say that with me. Blessed to be a blessing. That's the truth. That's why we're here. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're on this earth, God wants to use you to minister to other people in his name so that he might be glorified. And as long as you and I are here, we can do that. When we go to heaven, we can't do that anymore. We can glorify God, but we can't tell other people about Jesus. They already know about him there. But here, look, there's so many people who don't know, so many people who are far from God. And God says, use your time on earth. I have blessed you for a purpose. You are blessed to be a blessing. Now he came to her, Gabriel came to Mary and Mary said, I wanna be a blessing to others. And he told her that she was favored and he said, you're gonna bring the Messiah into the world. And she said, okay, I'm ready, let's do that. However, it wasn't forced on her. Mary proclaimed, behold the bond servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. She agreed, she was obedient. She acknowledged what God was saying to her through Gabriel. She was willing. Your will, not mine. Mary decided at that moment to be a blessing to others. She wanted her life to reflect the blessing and favor that she'd experienced. I hope that all of you want to use your blessing as well. Let's talk about what that looks like. We have to be humbly obedient to what God wants us to do in our lives. Do you ever have an idea about what you want to do? And you got an idea and you're going to go do it? And God says, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. How quickly do we shift gears? How open and willing and ready are we to say yes to something that scares us to death? Something we could not possibly do without God's help. How, how, how submissive are we? How flexible are we? How ready are we to say, Lord, I, I don't even need ability. I just need availability. Here I am. Send me. I want to go. I want to do what you're calling me to do. Years ago, God called me. And he said, you've been blessed and favored. And I want you to go into the ministry. And I was 21 years old. And I, I remember I, I wrote a letter to a preacher in Niceville, Florida. And he gave me a job. And I left Tennessee. And I came down here. And I never looked back. To all my adult life, that's all I've ever done. And what a blessing that's been. I prayed a prayer. Now, two things I asked God before that happened. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? There are a lot of things I could do, but what do you want me to do? When I was 21, he answered that prayer. He said, I want you to go into the ministry. The second thing I prayed was, who do you want me to marry? I want to marry somebody you want me to marry. I could marry other people. I want to marry the one you have for me. 
when I was 23, God gave me Laura. He just said, that's the one for you. I didn't know until after we got married that Laura really felt called to be a minister's wife. I didn't know that. There were a lot of things that, that happened through that whole thing. I don't have time to go into, but, but it was all confirmed that we were supposed to be together. And he told me he wanted to bless my life, but he wanted to bless my life to bless other people's lives. And what a blessing it's been. But, you know, you have to choose to be obedient. I could have said, well, Lord, you go ahead and bless me. I won't be blessed all day long, but I want to do what I want to do, right? I, I'm not really interested in doing that preacher thing. I mean, what in the world would I get up and talk about every Sunday? Little did I know. Y'all sitting there laughing saying, oh, he just didn't realize who he was. <laughs> he gets up and does that every week. That's no problem for him. Sometimes we're wondering, when is he going to wrap this up, right? Well, I didn't do that, though. I said, Lord, I, I just want to be submissive to you. And that's what Mary did because she was willing to be obedient to God. And God gave her a son. And that son would grow up to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And you think about it, her obedience. And how many people have been saved because of Jesus? What if she'd said, I want you to bless me. I just don't necessarily want to do what you want me to do. What about that? You say, well, yeah, but that was Mary. I mean, that's Mary. She's in the Bible. She's Mary, right? Well, guess what? You are precious to God just like Mary is. And when God calls you to do something, he's expecting the same thing out of you, whatever he calls you to do. And Laura and I, when we got married, we were so broke. We had to look up to find broke. We were just so broke. We couldn't even spell broke. We were just broke. That's all we were, okay? And people, when we got married, people were giving us money. I, we didn't have any money. My father kept coming to me before the wedding and handing me $100 bills. He'd walk away. He'd come out. You don't have enough. He'd bring back. My grandfather was doing the same thing, you know, and, and my father-in-law, he'd come by. Here, I don't, I'm afraid y'all don't have enough. Here, take this. And, and so, and I I took my wife to the most beautiful resort. I wish I had the picture. I've got it on my phone. I should have given it to him to put up there. We went to my uncle's cabin in Calhoun, Tennessee, because it was free. That's what I could afford. I was in college. She was in college. We didn't have any money. I mean, it was amazing. We just were tickled to death to be together. And so we went. We got to town. First thing we did, we went to the grocery store, saw some of my relatives in the grocery store. We got to the cabin. The phone rang. It was my grandfather. Well, you've been found out. We know you're here. We're coming to the cabin. We're going to build you a fire because you'll freeze if we don't. My uncle and my granddad came over, built us a big fire. We said, well, sit down and visit with us. Nope, you're on your honeymoon. Bye. Got up and left. Went out. Left the fire going in there for us. Thankfully, there was a heater in the bedroom and the bathroom. Laura had to cook with her coat on there. I know how to show a girl a good time on her honeymoon. You know what I'm saying? And yet, we've been married 41 years today. This is our anniversary. Yeah. And, and most of those years, Laura's been happy. It's been a real celebration. But you know what? God blessed us. And during that time, we thought we were going to bless other people. And God gave us a front row seat to watch him work in the lives of people. I can't tell you. I've lost count. I don't know how many people we have gotten to see come to Christ 
that I've baptized, that I've led to Christ or talked to, or, or they were ministered to through the church. I've gone with children, youth, and adults. We've been through the Roman road together. People on our staff have done that. I mean, I've served in the ministry all this time, and what a blessing it is. It's an adventure every day with God. And when you look back on it, you're just so grateful that you got that opportunity. We've been blessed by being a blessing to other people, but we've been blessed more than they have. I pray that when I preach, it is a blessing. I pray that when I come, I don't come for me. I come in the name of the Lord. I, I say, God, I, I pray and I ask God to anoint the message, to prepare our hearts, prepare my heart, to receive it, to bless it, to use it for his glory and his kingdom. In addition to that, to blessing others, we've experienced so many blessings ourselves. I've been telling you all this series about Hubble, Kentucky. All roads lead to Hubble. I'm sure everybody here is going to take their vacation and go to Hubble now, right? Because I've talked about it so much. I told you we just about froze to death in that house in Kentucky. If we hadn't had an electric blanket one night, it might have been a different story. I told you that the ceiling had fallen into the tub when I took my new bride into that beautiful home that we were to live in. And I told her it was a skylight. She wasn't buying it. I, I told you that our cistern leaked and we didn't have water and they built us a new one. But when they got it all dug out, it was big as a swimming pool. And then the winter set in and they couldn't fix it and build it and finish it. They put water in a tank outside. We had to run the water in through that tank. We could see it, but we couldn't use it because it stayed frozen most of the winter. We had to go somewhere else to take a bath. It was a challenging year, just that first year. They had a, a a general store there across the road. I remember we got a bill. Robert Holtzclaw was the superintendent of Sunday school. He lived across the road and he owned that little store and that's where we got our gas and bought stuff. I went in there one day and I had the bill for the heat and it was several hundred dollars. I mean like five hundred dollars or something because they had baseboard heat and you just couldn't heat this old house. And I just laid it down on the counter and I said I sure hope y'all gonna like your new preacher and I just turned around and walked out. And they paid the bill and then they started trying to fix the house after that because it was not a place that the preacher before us had left his wife was from the area they were freezing they went over to her family's house and they lived over there because it just was not a place you could live but you know God used that time and what a blessing it was and if I had said no God would have raised up somebody else and he would have used that person and he would have worked in their lives but think about the blessings that I would have missed looking back I'm so thankful that we were given the opportunity and I'm so grateful for the privilege it's been to serve in ministry. In fact, when God started dealing with my heart about that, it was scary. I mean, most of the things that God asks us to do, we can't do without his help, and we're afraid of. If you look back over the stories in the Bible, it was the same way for those people, and people tried to negotiate with God. You know, Moses, here am I, I send my brother. I mean, that's the way he was looking at it, right? God bless you. But anyway, you go on, it says Mary. You think about her, I'm sure she was afraid. Jesus prayed, Lord, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, you will. I was afraid. I didn't know what the ministry was going to be. And yet fear does not keep us from enjoying the blessings of blessing other people. God says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And you and I can live in faith. We don't have to live in fear. And after all, if God is asking us to do it, what have we got to lose? Think about it. If God wants us to do it, how, what, what can we possibly say except thank you for the privilege, Lord? Yes, yes, I'll do it. I'm not worthy, 
but I'll do it. I'll do it for you. I'll do it gladly. And, and what did Gabriel say when he showed up? The thing, the theme you hear throughout the Bible, Mary was standing there and Gabriel says, do not be afraid over and over and over again. That's the way that God or one of his messengers comes to us and says to us, hey, don't be afraid. I got this. It's okay. You can trust me. The choice is yours. God desires you. He wants to work through you. He wants your obedience to be a blessing to you and to others. And right now you may be saying, well, Joe, I, I've been faithful to God. And I've been obedient to God. And I've done what he asked me to do. But I've got to be honest. If I'm being honest today, I've got to tell you the truth. I really don't feel very blessed right now. In fact, my life is not going well at all. No one could look at my circumstances today and call me blessed. And I understand that. Let's talk about that for a minute. Remember when I first began, I said blessings, whether given or received, help us recognize God in our lives and draw us closer to him. God's divine favor is on us. Sometimes our circumstances don't reflect that. But it's in the hardest times of life that God draws us closer to him. That's when we get stronger. That's when our faith grows because he's the one we lean on. He's the one we hang on. He's the one we turn to. It's a recognition not of riches. It's an humble confession that we are not self-sufficient. Lord, I couldn't possibly do this without you. I, I couldn't do what you're asking me to do without you. I couldn't go, I didn't see it coming and I wish it never had, but, but I can't make it without you. You may not recognize the blessing in your life. You may be distracted because you're looking at the wrong thing. But Elizabeth proclaimed that Mary was blessed and she was. However, let's talk about that. The blessing for Mary to be the mother of the Savior of the world meant that she would raise that little baby. When, when you see the face of Jesus, do you know you see the face of God? That song sings about that. Can you imagine? But Mary, the mother, had to watch that little baby grow up. And she had to watch that baby die on a cross for you and for me. For our sins. Well, how blessed is she? Well, she's blessed. Sometimes the blessing is not the way we look at it on earth, but it's more eternal. Elizabeth proclaimed that Jesus was blessed, but he left the splendor of heaven to come to earth as a poor man and die on the cross. Wouldn't you say Jesus was blessed? Yeah. I mean, he was the son of God, right? He is God, but he had to die. The blessing of God in my life didn't necessarily look like the blessing in the circumstances that I've shared about in Kentucky. But you know, when I think back about that time in Kentucky, all I have is fond memories. I think back about that time and I want to go back there. I've been back there to visit, but you know what? You can't go back. You know why? Because it's the people. Many of those people have gone on to heaven now. They're not there anymore. You can go to the community. You can go to the church. You can see the area, but it's not the same anymore. 
You ever see that movie, Fried Green Tomatoes? They got the Whistle Stop Cafe. And you know, it was all about the community, the people there. And when the people left, that little town just dried up and blowed away, blew away, it was just gone. And, and you know, what I want you to understand is that I went to the Whistle Stop Cafe. I got friends in middle Georgia and they took us over there and we went to that thing and they were serving fried green tomatoes on that Sunday afternoon when I went in there. And I was like, golly, it was amazing, you know? And yet, when I looked at it, None of those people were there. None of those people that you saw in the movie, they weren't there. It was all tourists and people that didn't live there. People just came there for a brief moment because it was gone. You can't go back. Sometimes in the winter, it was tough. It was hard. It was difficult. We were in school. But I have to tell you, when I think about it now, I think how blessed we were to have been around those people, salt of the earth people, people who have forgotten more of the Bible than I'll ever know. And they used, you know, their willingness to just make a home for us. They, I told you they brought us in. They fed us. They took care of us when we needed it. They, they made us feel at home and they put out their best. And that's what God does for you and me. He opens up his arms. He opens up his home at Christmas. He said, come on, I, I prepared a place for you. Come on, I'll put the best out just for you. I want to have a relationship with you. You're my child. I love you. I want to have a relationship. Come home for Christmas. Be with me. Think about what Jesus taught in the blessing. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said things like, blessed are those who mourn. Really? Who mourn? For they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. When you think about mourning and hunger and thirst, does it sound like a blessing to you? However, we need to look at our lives through what the Bible says and not what the world says. When Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's saying, if you are brokenhearted, you are in the hands of God. You couldn't be closer Jesus, God knows what it's like. God knows what it's like to go through your pain because he's gone through it himself. God himself will lift you out of those times and comfort you in ways that only he can. Those who look at the world today and are sickened by it will be filled with the power of God to try to have an effect on the world for the better. While we're here, if you're not dead, you're not done. You can have an influence on the world around you as you know it. Those are the true blessings that come from the hand of God. And at this time of the year, we celebrate what it means to be at home with Jesus. We need to look at those eternal blessings that we experience. Blessed to be a blessing because we're blessed so much more than anything we can do for anyone else. Things bring us closer to God, change us into the image of Jesus, and they challenge us to look at our lives and see our blessings in a new way. And I want to wrap this up by just sharing a story with you before we close today. And it's about the folks in Kentucky. We were serving there in Kentucky, and we had had open house at the parsonage at Christmas time. And we had to borrow Miss Belinda Bell's punch bowl. You can't make these names up, okay? 
we had to borrow her punch bowl for open house. And so we had all the people come and the, Laura had all these goodies laid out. We had it all decorated. And all the church family was so excited to come in and visit with us. And they came through there on Sunday afternoon. It was a wonderful time. Okay, now the open house is over and we've made arrangements for the next weekend. Laura's family's there. And we're so busy all the time in Kentucky. We're just going all the time. She's in college, I'm in seminary, I've got two churches, we're serving two Sunday morning services, two Sunday night, two Bible studies on Wednesday, commuted every day. It was dark when we left and dark when we came, we were just going all the time. So Saturday was the day that we had to go buy groceries and Laura's parents were there and it was cold outside and it was spitting snow. And I'd already called Miss Bell and I said, I'm gonna come by your house on the way to town, I'm gonna drop off <clears throat> the punch bowl that you let us borrow. Okay, preacher, I'll be home. So I drive up, <clears throat> I'm in the car, and I pull up, and I leave the car running because it's cold outside. And my in-laws and Laura are sitting out there in the car, and I go to the back door, and all I'm going to do is take this punch bowl in and set it down for Miss Bell. And I get to the door, and she says, come on in, preacher, I want to talk to you. I said, yes, ma'am. And I went in, and I put the punch bowl down, and then she gave me one of those little bitty Coca-Colas in a little Coca-Cola bottle that they used to have. And she sat me down on one of those little step stool high chair seat things. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm, so I'm sitting there on the stool in her kitchen drinking my Coca-Cola. And she says, we want to build on to the church. I said, okay. She said, I want to do it so bad I dreamed the other night that I was digging the basement out with a fork. She said, I want to build on. We need to have restrooms and Sunday school rooms and a fellowship hall and a kitchen. We need to remodel the church. She said, now I've already been down to see Paul, that was her nephew and the treasurer. And she said, I've already given my 10000 and I've asked Matilda, her sister-in-law, to give her 10000 and she was going to give it, and she said, do you think $20,000 would be enough to get us started? And I almost choked on my coat. <clears throat> they raised the whole money in the back of the church. It only cost about $25,000 to do it. <clears throat> J.B. Holtzclaw, who you had to know to appreciate, stood up in the back after church one day and he said, all right, we're all related and we all know what each other's worth and I'm just going to tell you what you're going to give. <laughs> and to the old man, he said, you're going to give $1,000. And to the young man, he said, you're going to give 500 But he made a mistake. He got to Ben Reeves and Ben Reeves was an old man and he got tough. His tongue got tight and he said, you're going to give 500. I mean a thousand. He said, nope, you said 500. That's all I'm going to give. And then they went off on that for a while. They raised all that money in the back of the church that afternoon and they built that church. Both of these little churches I served didn't have restrooms. They built restrooms, fellowship hall in both places, built Sunday school rooms, remodeled, built parking lot. They did everything. They were 100 years old. They'd never done anything. And they did all that stuff. I was only there two years. Several months go by. We're having Bible study. And Miss Matilda Fitzpatrick, who is a saint, drives up in her old Pontiac. And she parks out there in the churchyard. We're all standing around talking, getting ready to go in for Bible study. And I noticed Miss Fitz slides all the way across the car and she gets out on the passenger side. It takes her a while. She's an elderly woman. She gets out and she comes over to where we are. And I said, Miss Fitz, what's wrong with your car? Oh, preacher, my old Pontiac. She said, that door's been stuck for some time now. I said, you know, they can fix that, Miss Fitz. She said, I know it. 
I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. And she preached me one of the best sermons I ever heard as a young preacher standing in that churchyard. Here's a woman who was not wealthy. And she said, I want to give $10,000 to make the church a place where more people can come. Miss Bell said, I want to give this money to the church so that when I'm dead and gone, little children can learn about Jesus. And they did. There are people in heaven today, as Miss Fitz and Miss Bell peer over the balcony of heaven, there are people up there with them because of what they did. They did it for God. They did it for his glory. They did it for his kingdom. And somehow getting that old Pontiac just wasn't as important to her, getting that thing fixed, as doing something eternal. There'll be people in heaven tomorrow because of what they did. And if you could bring those women back today and interview them, and ask them this morning as Christmas approaches, do you ever regret the sacrifice you made for the kingdom? That was a lot of money for you. What do you think they'd say? No, I don't regret it one bit. My only regret is that I didn't give more. My only regret is that I didn't tell more. My only regret is that I didn't reach more because I'm in heaven now and I can't reach anybody now. But while I was there, that was my time. Blessed to be a... Blessed to be a... We think that we're going to bless other people. But let me tell you something. I have no doubt in my mind they were the ones who were blessed. And they gave sacrificially and they gave for all the right reasons. And they gave because they loved the Lord and they loved people. They gave because they wanted to. They gave their time. They gave their talent. They gave treasure. They gave all they had. They gave whatever they could. What a blessing. We get a front row seat to watch God work. And God says, I want you to come home at Christmas. I prepared a place for you. I got a place right here in my house. And I'm right here. And one thing you can count on is that God never dies. Those people have gone on to glory in Kentucky, but God, he's still as alive as he's ever been. And he's always at home. <laughs> and he's always ready and waiting, and he's got the best for us. And he says, I, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to get distracted. I, I don't want you to, to miss this because I love you. And my son Jesus has provided a place for you. You can always come to me. I'll always love you. I'll always accept you. I'll always welcome you home. 
Father, we're so grateful. We are blessed. And Lord, even if circumstances in our lives right now are not what we would want, Lord, if this is a difficult time, if this is a time of grief, if this is a time of sorrow, if this is a time where we are heartbroken, Lord, I pray that, that you would even use those circumstances so that you might be glorified. Lord, whenever we go through tough times, it's an opportunity for us then later on to help other people who are going through tough times because we know what it really is like. It's not just empty words when we tell them we've been there. When we tell them we know what it feels like because we have. And they can identify with that. And, and they look at us and they say, well, if you made it through, maybe I can make it through. And then maybe in turn, maybe I can bless someone else. Thank you, Lord, for taking our hand, for letting us walk with you every day, for the adventure that we get to experience, for the kingdom work that we get to see. And you give us a front row seat. Thank you. And all God's children said, Amen.